0: I'm like, what's this thing? I don't think I had like, really a lot of email that day, but like, it was just I wanted to know, I wanted to be plugged in to what was happening. Unfortunately, I had a really, really bad update. While I was here just for those few days, I found out that one of my classmates in high school had died in her sleep. We were a graduating class of 36, and I had known her since around preschool, early elementary. It was horrible to find out and to find out through AOL Instant Messenger if you remember that artifact of the past. Her name was Allie, and all of a sudden, my visit to Yale, I only could read, why Allie? Why Allie? Why Allie? For like the other 24 hours or something like that, that I was going to be there. I wanted to be back in Iowa, wanted to be with my class. Some of you that know my story, I have a lot of mixed experience with my school, but in this case I just wanted to be back and I couldn't, not yet. It was weird to think I was like checking out a place when that happened or that I would even consider coming to a place that now had such a bad memory. I kind of felt like I was in a daze just walking around and I made my way to a part of campus known as Cross Campus. I remember it was nighttime and I was just in the middle of everything lights, students running around, a lot of laughter. And out of the blue, I had this sense in the middle of cross campus at night. And the sense was something like this. Life will happen here. That was weird because I had just found out about this death. But this sense, I don't think I necessarily had words for it, but it was something like life, purpose, a lot, will happen here. It's just like less than a block from where I'm standing right now. And even though I was experiencing the first serious death in my life, and I'd missed those initial communal moments of grief, um, I did feel that phrase, life will happen here. That's all I had. And despite a lot of other alternatives, some common sense stuff, some friends that I found in this other visit, Uh, Better memories as I thought about other schools. I couldn't shake that feeling Life will happen here. It almost felt like a promise. And so I decided to say yes With all the unknowns. It's part of why I'm here right now Yes, with all the unknowns Have you ever made a decision like that? There wasn't certainty You didn't know everything that was happening You might have even felt certain that you didn't want to say yes, maybe in your heart or in your being, but you said yes, even with the unknowns. Our stories always include things like that, whether it's unknown, undefined, elements that require trust or faith, and believe me, it can happen whether we're religious or not. No kind of lack of belief in a higher power can thwart the need that humans have for something greater, something that we can trust in, especially as we have to make a decision like a waypoint around the unknowns. But God does give folks who encounter him a real invitation, a way for our stories to intersect with his if we say yes, usually to a stack of unknowns, a stack of uncertainties. But we need assurance that it's God, that that invitation, that offer, that real choice is from God, not just a friend that's persuasive, not just our own ego, projection, self, but actually an invitation from the living God. That's when things can really change. We don't need more empire building. We wanna say yes and then follow. This is part of why it's so important to know God's stories and ours, because we can keep track of God's movement in our lives, the lives of others, we can start to recognize the speech of God, God's heart more and more, God's gentle directions for us, for our friends, for our church, as we listen more closely. We know from our series so far that there's power in our stories, that God's love is central to our stories, even from a young age. We know that our stories rhyme with an ancient story, not just a story that's independent of this bigger ancient story. We've covered all that, and today we're going to actually start to look at a few people in Scripture and examine some critical moments of their story. Today, we're going to look at the story of Abram, more commonly known as Abraham, and it'll be the first of four stories where we look at someone in Scripture and think about what they invite us into—a story of trust, a story of calling, a story of suffering, a story that's more than just ourselves. And today, we'll begin with trust. I just wanna pray once more, Holy Spirit, would you come and give us your faith, give us your trust. We know that we don't have to depend on ours alone, but we can actually ask you for faith. We can ask you for trust. We can ask you for your way. So we do that today, in Jesus' name, amen. So today, I'm gonna ask you three questions. The first is, which story are you in? The second is, what are your altars? If you don't know what an altar is, it's okay, we'll get there. And the last, what are the sands and stars promises over your life, over our church, and beyond? If you don't know that phrase, that's okay, too. We'll get there. One more time. Which story are you in? What are your altars? What are the sands and stars' promises over your life, over the life of our church, and beyond? That's what we'll do. If you had to break down our story in just two, three simple phrases, the story of at least Abr- Abram's beginnings, it'd be something like this. Go, God will, and blessings. A simple command to go, this beginning of a phrase, God will, and then this word blessing. The Lord calls Abram in the text we're about to read to immediate action. There's not much more than go. There's not like he pumps or punches something into like a GPS there's no, like, waiting, you know, when they're, like, watching Star Wars, and, like, it takes them forever to go into hyperdrive. Like, I don't know why it takes them so slow to go, like, so fast. Like, there's none of that. Like, there's no slowness here. There's just go. And then, immediately, God shares promises that would define their entire relationship. Lines like, God will show, God will make, God will bless. Will bless. And immediately, God shares the big Why? Sometimes God doesn't do that, but this time God does. The big vision, you will be blessed and you will bless. Maybe another way of saying is, is you'll be blessed to be a blessing. Go, God will, blessing. Let's get into scripture today. This is from the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. If you'd like to pull it out in your own Bibles, if you'd like to look at it on your phone, you can. It'll also be on the screen. There'll be a few scriptures we walk through today. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Once again, you might look at this passage and say, I guess like the first 11 chapters are about like God's relationship with Abram, right? No, that's not what the first 11 chapters are about. In fact, Abram's only been mentioned just like a paragraph before, and it was only really the story of his family saying, here's how much Abram is in this context with his father, with his forefather, a place that isn't the place where he will go, but actually a place that was known, was kind of connected to a lot of people that weren't worshiping the living God. That's really all that paragraph said. It was just description about Abram's family. And then we get this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go, God will, and blessing. I wonder if you can think of your story in a similar way. A time that you were challenged to go, but you didn't know exactly where, to what, with whom. A time that you were called, called by God, to actually carry maybe a promise or a hope. Maybe you were fuzzy. Is this God's promise or is this mine? And then a time where you felt like, I'm supposed to maybe help someone or bless someone Where has God called you or your people to go and get started, to be on a journey where you'll need to continually be shown what to do next? It wasn't go here. It's go and I will show. That's very different. Go, like all of you right now, to a place, right? That's one thing. You might be like, Josh, I want to stay here. I want to have some more worship. I want to get some time in prayer. Also, my kids are downstairs. I can't just leave, right? Right? Pastor Cannon will get mad, but go and I will show is so much different. But where would you take me next? Like, what else would we do? How long would this take? That's part of what God invites us to do here. The other question for us is, what has God said he will do through your life? For some of us, we've maybe been in church for a while. We've heard stories of scripture before, and there's maybe some general things. Well, I guess it's, I don't know, Like, is it to be a good person Is it to, like, help someone? Like, there's something there, right? But some of you know there's been more personal things God's spoken to you. Like, you're made to create beauty. You're called to heal. There's something about serving, and you love to serve, even to set the table. Like, you know there's something deeper with your life that God has called you to. And even how God will help you do that. And for others, there's even a sense of you're being made, like formed into someone who can bless other people. Like you're receiving blessings, but you're also giving them away. This is like kind of the simple way of reading this story. And in a lot of ways, the story of Abram who becomes Abraham is just trying to believe that and then failing a bunch. And then knowing that God believed this promise more than Abraham did. It's so interesting how we can get these simple words, go, God will, blessing, twisted in our lives. Oftentimes like our very own stories. Go means leave to a place that we know, that we're fixated on, that we've been wanting to go to. Not a place we're shown, right? But a place we already know, a place we already want. I will, God will, means not what God will do, but what we will do. But like, we want to do anyway. And blessing is replaced with maybe all the greats in the passage. Do you see that there's a lot of greats, like make you a great nation. There'll be a great blessing. But sometimes we're focused on a different kind of great. We will go to a place we know or want to know, better ourselves. We will do what we need to get there, and we will be great. Sometimes we reformulate the scripture So that's what it is for us. I will go to what I know, I will make a name for myself, and I will be great. There's another story right before the story where Abram gets introduced. Some of you all might have heard this uh, phrase or language, but it's a story about the Tower of Babel, and it's a story that meets uncertainty with confidence. There's like, what could we do together? And then all of a sudden, there's some confidence about a plan, a plan to build a tower to the sky. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Just a chapter before. We can see that it almost seems like each phrase is like different when it comes to Abram, right? Come, let us build ourselves a city. Versus being taken by a person that says, go, and then being shown something. Make a name for ourselves. No, the name of God will be made great through you and all these other families, not for yourself. And it seems like there's even something about fear here. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. If we don't do that, here's what's going to happen. Versus the sense of, well, I don't know what's going to happen if I say yes. But maybe I'll just do it. Maybe I'll say yes. It's not go, it's come let us. Not God will, but we may make. And all based on a fear of being scattered, not a hope of blessing. So when we think about these two stories, the story of Abram, the story of Babel, there's kind of a cheat question I could ask of which story resembles yours. But maybe the more truthful, more honest way of asking the question is, in which way does your story represent or seem like the story of Abram, where you might be open to a yes? And in which place do you feel like, you know what, I've been building some things, and it's to make something of myself, to make something of ourselves? Can you get a sense of the contours of your own story? Even just right now, just think, what's God doing? It's so weird for, for me, Four months after my experience of that whisper, life happens here. I felt anything but alive. As a young person trying to navigate a complex university, as a a first-year university student, I was challenged to make a name for myself, while believing I couldn't do that at all. ever see how that works? Like, I want to make a name for myself, but I can't do that, and then you just get lost in that swirl of, I want to do something, but of course I can't, but I've got to try harder so I can try to. It's this swirl of just production, of trying. I had to build something. I had to be known. I had to be remembered the way I wanted. And I had to build to be safe, really, to fit in to the culture. That's what people around me were doing. I'm like, why are 18-year-olds doing this? I didn't know why, but I didn't want to be the one that was different. I just didn't. I wanted to fit in even if it meant that phrase of life will happen here. Life wasn't happening. It felt like a rat race. Living that way was horrible. It led to death by comparison, cutthroat relationships, all with a smile, of course, and an emptiness where I thought there'd be great meaning. And all the while, there was still that whisper, go, God will, blessing. It warmed me, but it made no lick of sense to how I was living, to what I wanted, to how I was trying to make it. It didn't make sense to the environment I was in, to me or my plans. And yet those words, the the weight of those words, the warmth of the words, they wouldn't let me go. They stayed like they were stuck into my story. So I wonder what's winning out for you now. Is it a name you're making for yourself or a place God is showing you that has no name yet? It's unknown. Take a breath. Like seriously, you can do this. Take a breath in, a deep breath. Know you're loved regardless. And then try to let that question scan you, like read you, keeping you honest. What's winning out for you right now? A name you're making for yourself or a place God is showing you that has no name? The story continues. Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negev. This is all these places— that God has shown, all these places where he's gone. And you can see that going is costly. Abram's not a spring chicken. He's old. He's 75. He's been rooted. And he takes his family, all his possessions. And this new land has occupants, by the way. It's going to feature largely in the story later on. There are many reasons to doubt, to count the cost, just to stay. And yet God shows up again with another I will. This time, to your offspring, I will give this land. One of the things that makes that even more dramatic is his wife couldn't have kids. How would this be true? There's more going, there's more speaking, and there's more remembering through altar building. I like to think of Abram building altars like breadcrumbs in the story of Hansel and Gretel. You know, it's not exactly like Abram's, like, putting them out so he can go back. Like, you know, God told me to go, but I'll go backwards. I don't think it's that. But I I do think he's trying to, say, to leave something behind, to actually remember something. Remember the first week we talked about this accuser that accuses us day and night? That's one of the powers of telling our story, of letting God win in our stories. And I think we, in our weakness, we need breadcrumbs. We need altars to help remember where God moved in our story when all we had was a go, when all we had was just a moment, when all we had was an invitation to yes, and somehow we were swept up and said it. Sometimes we need to lay something down to say, I remember what happened here. I might not remember when I'm over here, but I remember something and I'm putting it down so I can say, I don't know if I trust, but I see a remembrance, an altar of when I said yes, of when I knew God was good, of when I could actually celebrate in the goodness of God. So I'm going to do that altar work. It's something between us and God, but it's made public. I love having lived in New Haven for almost 20 years for that reason. Cuz there's so many altars around. So many places I can remember that are personal or communal. There's that spot on Cross Campus. I actually go back to it sometimes. I just like stand there. My like, God, I think you spoke something here. That's amazing, I love doing that. To feel those words again, life will happen here. There's this tree outside of the old church that we met where I brought Tina out and I was in athletic, shirt, athletic shorts and a t-shirt and I just felt the spirit say something a little crazy, Don't, it wasn't that crazy, like, you know, but kind of crazy, like, you should marry this girl. And so like athletic shorts and t-shirt, I was like, let's do it, no ring, let's see how this goes. She said yes, but I felt the prompting then. I was like, I feel like there's something about my story. Like, I asked her again, don't worry, and I I did have a ring then, and she said yes again. But that was important to me. I felt like I feel like I'm trying to listen to God. I remember that tree. Our kids were like, that's the tree where you asked mom? I'm like, yeah, it is. Like, they know that tree. There's that short street in New Haven of Argyle, Argyle Street, where during Holy Week in 2019, Stephanie Washington and Paul Witherspoon, two unarmed black people, were shot at so many times. When you watch the video, Paul Witherspoon's all the way out of the vehicle and somehow just ducks back in and doesn't even get shot. Stephanie Washington does, but she doesn't succumb to her injuries. I go to that street to see where a miracle happened. I need to go there sometimes when I don't believe in miracles anymore or I'm struggling with them. Like I created an altar there to say, this is a place I'll go, like a physical place. Some aren't exactly land, they're kind of people and where they travel or the place, the route. Like I see my neighbor, who's one of my neighbors in New Haven, whose knee was miraculously healed in 2009, like fully in a cast, a person I met just days before. Then he came to a conference we were doing at ECV. We prayed for his leg. He took off that bandage. He stood up, he walked, and then he ran. And I see him, like our greeting usually, he's on a bike now more, but our greeting was like him just going like this. Like still, like years later. It's amazing. I saw him just a week ago. Like a remembrance of the power of God. What God can do, even if I haven't seen it lately, I can remember, right? Remember these moments. The house of 180 Colony, where ECV was formed, where I led a home group a little bit later. You can look at that and say, something started here. These are so important for our stories because in the moment, there might have been so much fear, so much trembling, so much unknowing. I know for some of those, I really felt that, especially the, like, I'm in shorts, but I'm doing, like, that That was big for me. I don't know why. Maybe if I was better dressed, I would have felt better about that. But there is something about saying in this place, God met me, God met us, and our yeses. Yeah, they're foolish sometimes, but on the other side of things, they don't feel as foolish. Or if they do feel foolish still, we feel good that God showed up with love, with power, with miracles, with faithfulness, being who God is. I have so many more. I go back to these places. I thank God for these people. And remember, it's to celebrate, but also I often go back to these places when I'm troubled, when I'm sad, when I'm frustrated, when I'm angry, when I'm wondering, God, where are you? Because I did say yes. And I'm trying to believe that you will do something. And I'm trying to believe there's a blessing here, but I don't see it at all, like no way. And God just sits me down and says, what did I do? And I listen again. That isn't, and that God isn't just with me, but that God is calling me away from building a name for myself, and instead is calling me even more into unknowns for blessings, many that I still don't really know the shape of. So as you look into your own story, where are your altars? They might not be in New Haven. They might not be connected to almost anything I said, but you know it's a place where God showed up and put his finger on part of your story. Where is it for you? What do you need to be reminded of today? Maybe it's a long time ago. Guess what? It still counts. Doesn't matter how long ago. Doesn't matter what season, what community. If you can remember it, it's fair game. It's an altar. And God can move as we remember Him. In some ways, altars are just embodied stories, like putting something together that says, remember this story. We have other ways of remembering, too, like God's work in Scripture, remembering the story of God. We're going to look at one story as we wrap up that's another author from Scripture remembering this story about Abram. This author, the author of Hebrews, calls him Abraham, his new name. And he remembers this call to go and what was unknown, recalling God's promises of God will. And this author has seen evidence of the goodness they're living in a different time, so they see the goodness. They've seen what's happened. They have a lot of confidence that maybe Abram and Abraham didn't have. And this author writes a story with that assurance. Maybe our stories will be remembered this way. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 12. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of that same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, with Sarah's involvement, he received the power of procreation, even though he was too old, because he considered him faithful, who would promise. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born." As many as the stars of heaven, and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. This is what the author of Hebrews says. It's kind of amazing, because Abraham, I don't think, felt this way about his own story when he was living it. But this author's like going to town, like, by faith he did it! Like, it was like sands and stars, like he's excited. If you read that next, like, paragraph after what i read, there's some, there's some stuff, there's some bad stuff. Like, there's some bad stuff in that story, but this guy, he's writing about, you No, know, there was a yes and here's what happened. Abraham did things. He obeyed, and he went. He made his home in the promised land. He lived in tents. Sarah bore a child. Like The promise started to happen, and they did have these descendants as numerous as sands and stars. But more than what they did, this text remembers them for what they longed for. All of these died in faith without having received the promises. But from a distance, they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better homeland. Some scripture says a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. This is different from Babel, y'all. This is different from cities and buildings and empires of our own making. Sometimes all we hear is the call to go, but God knows so much more. And sometimes even us desiring those sands and the stars, part of what it does is it puts something in our heart. And that longing, that longing is really what God was doing in the first place and the whole time. Because that longing can continue. It doesn't end. There's a weirdness about that. Well, shouldn't my life be for this goal and accomplishment to see something? In some ways, maybe that'll happen. But in other ways, when you have a dream in your heart, a longing, it can keep going forward. That longing of a great country, of a great homeland, of this great place prepared for us, a city. That's the story that Abraham and Sarah were in It's a story that Jesus was in. It's a story of the early church. It's our story. Like he was swept up in a bigger story because he didn't get caught up in just his own empire building that would have only lasted just in his timeline. What does it mean to live by faith until the end? To have a promise so big you could only see it and welcome it from a distance, acknowledging that your time here is short. You could always go back to what you knew. The kicker again is this one. But as it is, they desire a better homeland, a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. In Babel, the city was prepared by themselves and for themselves. With Abram, there was no knowledge of a city. He didn't know that there was even a city. It was just a word, go. And the promises that grew and grew and grew until in that story, they became a covenant. Like I said before, with Abram, there was many mistakes A lot of sin, getting it wrong along the way. Something that Hebrews kind of conveniently doesn't share. I don't know really what that's about. That's a different sermon for a different day. But one thing we know from the Genesis account is their lives always fell apart when they tried to make something happen. When they tried to make something happen that was already promised to them. They just couldn't see it. They couldn't feel it. They couldn't trust it. They lost track of the simplicity of go, God will and blessings. Where's that thing in your life that almost feels like you're holding it so tight that you're about to lose it? And where could you have a place, a posture of trust? When they made mistakes, God still kept his covenant, invited them to faithfulness again and again and again. God gave them sands and stars, dreams, dreams too big for them, Dreams too big for only one generation. And I think at some point they begin to long after those. These other things, when we get a little too specific, we kind of make some mistakes. But I think stars and sand dreams, they hit different. When you long after those, maybe your small desires actually feel small for the first time. When you start to desire something about our city, not for right now, but for generations to come, when you start thinking about how the next generation will live, when you start thinking about your family line and what God's already done for some and what God will do. For the first time, just following the go, I will show, and blessing, when you see it from that perspective, it almost seems strategic. don't think that's like a great frame for us to always think about that, but I mean, how would I do the big dream otherwise? How would I accomplish it? like the big dreams that might be in our heart, might as well just listen to God, (laughs) just to follow. There's some places in my life where it actually makes more sense to do that now. I'm like, I have no idea what I would do. But if I just followed, if I just said yes to God, there's a freedom that I have, that's a gift. So last question for you, what are the sands and stars promises over your life, over our church and beyond? What is it for you? That dream of something bigger that might be a generational dream, something you don't know if you can accomplish in your lifetime, something you remember in your family line that maybe they've been praying for, that they've been hoping for. For some of you, maybe you know, and it's even painful to like acknowledge it. it's healing for something. It's like hope for, for someone in particular. Maybe it's something that you're hoping to create or to build, I don't know what it is for you, but I believe there's something. For Abraham, it's like to bless, and not just to be blessed in my own family, or to be blessed just with my own nation, but to bless all the nations through that family line. One of the biggest go-and-I-will-show invitations for me, um, it happened on one regular Saturday afternoon at Tina's Insistence. It's not as big as what we're talking about, it's, it's small. But it was big and it was important for me. Tina invited me just to go to the green to hand out sandwiches. Um, it was gonna help folks um, who uh, needed food. And honestly, I had a horrible attitude about it. I was like, come on, like, I've been trying to like, mobilize people to like, care about this and think about like, systemic solutions. Like, Why are we doing like, service on the green? Like, uh, This doesn't make sense, like, these are just sandwiches, these people are gonna be hungry tomorrow. Tina's like, you coming? I'm like, okay, I'm there, Tina. Let's go. And when I was there, I, I met someone. And I- th- it was just this amazing person was just, like, so present to people around her. She was so, like, kind and compassionate, and she knew people's names, and she, had- she knew their story. It seems like she was in their life before. Some of you know this person. Her name's Jackie Yu. And I met her, and it was just like amazing to see someone that was doing something that just like a few hours ago, I didn't tell her this, like I was like, no, you shouldn't do that. But she actually used a meal to create a relationship, relationship to build family, to build family, to bandage back together communities that had been lost. And I made a mistake. I told her that I was in school to be a pastor. And she said, you're a Divinity School student? I said, "I, I guess so. She said, you are going to be the pastor of this church. And I was like, what church? We're giving out sandwiches. She says, Agape Church. I'm like, I don't know what that is. She goes, it starts this date. I thought ch- churches like, didn't just start. Like, aren't they going? Like, has this church been off? Like, what's going on? She's like, you're the pastor. I was like, I've just met you. Somehow she got me to a yes in that conversation. I don't know how that happened. And she's like, it's this date. Show up. You're the pastor. I don't think she said I'm preaching. She's like, you are the pastor of this church now. Go, and I will show, because I didn't know anything at all. I went, and I went up to this upper room. There were like 80 folks. that were just like waiting for me. I think I was on time, but I think they were earlier. And Jackie's like, you're here, you're here. Come on, come on. We played like, you know, like a MIDI file? Like, we played a MIDI file, like, for music. It was like, da-da-da-da-da, and like, we sang. It was... We sang, like, it was, it was what it was. And they're like, okay, now go. And I had to say something. I had to preach. So I tried. And it went okay. And some people were sleeping. It still went okay. But then we prayed. And you could tell people were hungry for food. But they were also hungry for something else. For, like, the presence of God. For care. For community. And out of that, we started something that lasted for 10 or more years. It was great. I didn't know where I was going, but I said yes. With some uncertainty, some insecurity, not knowing what it meant to be a pastor, figured it out a little bit. And I I wonder how much, especially as Agape's transitioned, ended meeting the way it did, Jackie's husband passed just this last year, there's a question of what's going on with it now. And I wonder how many things in our life are kind of like that sometimes. Like something does happen, but then those dreams end. I think about a lot of the ministries we had like that. And with COVID, just things shut down. We're going to two prisons. We're meeting people almost every week. There's a lot going on. And all of a sudden, it was all over. And I remember this prophetic word that we got in a meeting. we were praying about our church and part of like the vision for our church. And the word was a cup of wine that was poured out, like this precious liquid. It was poured out. And it was in service of something bigger. And in this meeting, we're like, I think it's the poor. I think it's folks that there's a lavishing that we can do in a place where oftentimes lavishness isn't for Like another group, it's for themselves. It's making a name for itself. We were like, what if we could get that cup and change where those resources went? I'm still haunted by that word, especially during COVID as I saw things shut down and shut down, as Agape slowed and stopped, as even some of our ministries that we're doing now. I love what we're doing with nonviolence and meeting families, but guess when we meet the families? When there's this loss of life. It's under bad circumstances. I've had this conviction like, what stories are we listening to? What stories are we hearing? Are we hearing some of the stories that were meant to be poured out for? That might be a sand and star dream. Doesn't take one ministry or one connection, but it's something about who we are and where we're going as a body. What are those places for you those places where you know God's calling you to go, where God will bless you, where you can be a blessing for others. Sarah and Abraham see it as this greater country. Jesus sees it as the kingdom of God, this greater country that's at hand. Here, but not fully here. We can seek that kingdom. The church is meant to go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. We've got this greater country, this longing in our hearts. We've got a kingdom that is here at his hand. We've got a church that has a calling. What is God stirring up in you? Just those questions again, one more time, and we'll move to invitations. The worship team can come up. Which story are you in? What are your altars? What are the sands and stars' promises over your life and over our church? As we get ready to transition to a time of response, I just want to invite you a little bit deeper discern God's invitation to the unknown that depends on promises God has and your invitation that might depend a little bit too much on your own effort. I invite you to write down specific promises that are over you and your communities and where relevant, like create an altar, some way to remember. Could be art, could be pictures, could be just telling someone, praying with them. And lastly, ask God to remind you of sands and stars dreaming, and take your pulse for that kind of living. Like, do you feel like good about dreams that are that big? Does that make you feel a little insecure? It's a vulnerable thing to say yes and there's a lot of uncertainty. It's a vulnerable thing to admit a bigger dream that you might not be able to accomplish in your lifetime, especially when we're in so many environments that are so accomplishment-driven. And it's a hard thing to remember times that maybe you wish you could go back to when you're living in a different one right now. So what I want to do right now, we'll have a time of prayer, a time of worship. But we know that God is a God of love, God is a God who helps. And if anyone needs help right now, help to say yes to God, help to remember something that has some pain attached to it perhaps, and help to step into a sand and stars way of life or way of dreaming. If those are any ways you're being touched right now, I just want you to stand up actually to acknowledge that you need help and support, and that we're a community that wants to help and support, and more than our community, that God is up for doing that work. So that's you if there's a yes for support, a yes for help. I'd love for you to acknowledge that in our community, to say yes, just to pop to your feet, say, I want that kind of support, God. support for a different way of living, a bigger way of living with sands and stars dreaming, with a yes that could be, a yes that's unknown, and a yes to even remember something, something that might even bring pain because it's a different season than you're in right now. If that's you and you feel the Spirit's calling you, just pop to your feet and say yes because the Holy Spirit is here. we're going to do next is to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit stirring some people to a yes and then God's work in all of us as we stand together as a community because this is part of I think our sand and star dreams here at ECV that we would be responsive to a present yes and we could support one another so I, I just pray right now that you would stretch out your hands to someone that's standing, or if you, want to just open up your own hands you can for yourself to respond even if you're near these people feel free uh, you can ask can I just put a hand on your shoulder as a way to acknowledge blessing Holy Spirit would you come Holy Spirit would you come and pour out pour out your spirit pour out your spirit Lord because we can only say yes through your empowerment we can only remember because you are good and you help us remember the ways you were good God, we know that we can't make something on our own or that it doesn't feel the same when we try and so we're asking you to empower and I specifically pray for this the sand and star dreaming and I think there's a number of you whether you're sitting or standing there's bigger dreams God wants to give you but it means that God's calling you to something bigger yourself. I just want to pray for an empowerment of grace and faith, that you would believe that, that you would trust that. It's not that you have to do more, but you have to let God just be who God is, as big as God is. Just encourage you, if you're standing, to stay standing, just to continue receiving, whether it's from someone else or from God invite up John who has some more words for us that are going to engage more of us in the room and also if you're a prayer minister you can go ahead and make your way to the side of the room so you can just let people know that you're available to pray with them right now